Lord, teach us to pray. This is the request and the desire that the disciples bring before Jesus in today's gospel. Lord, teach us to pray. Now we might ask the question, why were the disciples, 12 men who spent three years with Jesus asking how to pray, these 12 men were already religious men, and they spent all their time with Jesus. They, they knew him probably better than anyone else besides Mary and Joseph. And uh, eventually these 12 men would become the first bishops of the church. And so if uh, these 12 men don't know how to pray, then the future church is in trouble. And so why are these 12 men asking how to pray? It seems like a silly question. If we open up our Bibles, the gospel passage today comes from Luke chapter 11. And this follows immediately after last Sunday's gospel. What happened in last Sunday's gospel? Well, we we were reminded of Mary and Martha. In last Sunday's gospel, Jesus uh, concludes by saying, Mary has chosen the better part. And so we can just imagine as Jesus is walking away with the 12 disciples from the house of Mary and Martha, as they're walking along, uh, something is stirring in the disciples' heart. Uh, They recognize that Jesus has something, but they're lacking whatever Jesus has. And so they voice their desire. They say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They sought Jesus praying. Something is attractive about prayer. It's prayer that draws the disciples to Jesus. And so in the gospel today, the first word that Jesus says when he teaches the disciples how to pray is Father. Father. The word Father is a relational term. Jesus has a relationship. Jesus, who is the Son of God, has a relationship with God the Father. The role of the Father is an indispensable role in families and in society because it's from the Father that a person gets their identity. We remember the baptism of Jesus in the Jordan. As soon as Jesus was baptized with water and uh, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we hear a voice from heaven. And what does the voice say? It says, This is Jesus, my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. It's the Father who gives a person their identity. And so the Father is an indispensable role. We need the Father. When I was at St. Thomas as an undergrad, I took a psychology class. And the class was called The Psychology of Marriage and Family. And at the end of the semester, uh, each, each student had to, had to write a long paper on some topic pertaining to marriage or the family. And so the, the topic I chose is the role of the father in the family. And I focused on the absence of fathers. So as I was writing this research paper and uh, um, studying this topic, A question I based my paper off of was, what happens if we take the father figure out of the family? If 
we remove the father, what impact does that have on his wife, on the mother, on the children? And so as I was researching and writing this paper, uh, I was astounded by the results, by, by what I was finding and what I was reading. Uh, it's the father who instills confidence and a healthy self-esteem in their children. The children are directly affected when the father figure is removed from the family. I also found that when a f- father brings his family to mass or church, every Sunday, and leads the family in prayer in the home. It's those children that are more likely to remain faithful when they move away from home and go off to college. It's the children who have an absent father, where the father is not active in their life, not interested in their life. It's those children that have a tendency to have lower grades or suffer academically in school. Those children have a lower self-esteem, and those children have a higher tendency to get involved uh, by breaking the law and involved with crime. Now, this doesn't happen all the time, but the majority of the time, this is what uh, the studies are showing when the father figure is removed from the household. And so as I was researching and writing this paper, I also focus directly on men and women. So when the father figure is removed from the home, what effect does that have specifically on men? Well, as young men growing up in their formative years, if they don't have a masculine presence in their life, a father figure, uh, they, they don't know what it means to be a gentleman. And so they fall into the stereotypical man. They become more reckless, more aggressive, they uh, get in trouble with the law, with the crime. Uh, they, let, they blow things up. They're, they're destructive uh, because they don't have um, that masculine, that healthy masculine figure in their life. So we look out into the world today and we see a lot of violence, a lot of gun violence. I suspect the majority of the time, if not every time, uh, this violence is coming from people who come from broken families. They never had an active father in their life. No one who brought them to church every Sunday. And so this is the effect absent fathers have on men. And then I looked at women specifically. As young women grew up, what effect does an absent father have in their life? And I found out that um, without a father telling their daughters that they love them, they're valuable, they're beautiful. These women think, have this false belief that they need to prove that they're worthy of love. And so women become more promiscuous and they they take risky behaviors to win the love of a man's heart. And so all these effects are harmful and destructive in the family when the father figure is removed from the household. John Paul II said during his lifetime, where the family goes, so goes society. And so if families are broken and wounded, we're going to have a broken and wounded society. And so today the best thing that can happen for families and societies is for, for fathers to be present to their family, fathers to be present to their wives, to their children, when they come home from work, to leave work at work, to sit around the dinner table 
and to take an active interest in the other members of the household to ask their children how their day is going. Um, it's, it's from the father that the children receive their identity, their affirmation. It, it carries a lot of weight when a father can say, uh, I'm proud of you. You can do this. I have confidence in you. And this is what God the Father speaks to Jesus at baptism. God the Father says, with you I am well pleased. And this is the core identity. This is my beloved son. This is Jesus' core identity. And this is our core identity. When we are baptized, when a person is baptized, they receive their identity from God the Father as beloved sons and as beloved daughters of the Father. And so each time we go to pray, this is a fundamental truth in the spiritual life. God is a loving Father who looks upon us with affection and care. He says to us, with you I am well pleased. He delights in his children. We bring joy to God the Father every time we go to pray. God has a Father's heart. He sees what others don't see. God the Father looks past our sins and weaknesses. He sees the heart. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. Rather, we are the sum of the Father's love for us. God the Father delights in his children, and he's always present to our needs at every moment. People see the outward appearances, but the Father sees the heart. And we heard about this in the first reading today. Abraham sees these two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. They're just filled with evil and filth. And that's all Abraham sees. And so Abraham goes to God the Father and he says, when are you going to wipe out these people? Uh, These people are evil. There's so many bad things going on. And God says, even if there was 50 or 45 or 40 or 30 or 20 or even 10 innocent people, I would preserve Sodom and Gomorrah. He sees the good. And many times I think it's a temptation to take the approach of Abraham in our world today. We look out and we see uh, so many bad things happening. And we might be just like Abraham asking God, Lord, why don't you just destroy these people or wipe these people off the map? Why don't we just nuke them and be done with them? Uh, But God is a loving father. We simply see the surface, but God sees the heart. He sees the good that's hidden to our eyes. We're blinded to the good. Our God is a good, good father. It's who he is. And so as we gather here at this mass, we come as people of faith in the presence of a loving father. He watches over us and protects us at every moment. He's attentive to our needs. He knows what's weighing on our hearts. And so every time we go to pray, we see God as a loving father. He's not an angry judge. He's not a tyrant sitting up there in heaven, tallying our sins, ready to condemn us. That's not who God is. God is a good father. And so during this Mass, at every Mass, we pray the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us in today's Gospel, the Our Father. At every Mass, the priest says, at the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father.
We pray thee, our Father. We dare to say that because we were once alienated from God the Father because of our own sins and weaknesses. But it was Jesus Christ who reconciled us back to God the Father. It's Jesus Christ who shed his blood and sacrificed his sacred body to bring us into right relationship with God the Father. Now during this homily, I was going to talk about the Our Father, but I'm still stuck on the first word, Father. So I'm going to give you some homework this week. This week, take the Our Father to prayer and focus on each word. Today, I had trouble getting past Father. Get beyond Father this week and focus on the rest of the words in the Our Father. See what fruits the, the Lord brings in your prayer as you pray and reflect on the words of the Our Father.